Hello, everybody. Welcome along to the Event Industry News podcast. The podcast is kindly sponsored by Visit by GES, our smart event solution partner. For more information on Visit by GES and its smart event solutions, head over to visit.ges.com. So, as always, a very good morning, afternoon, or evening to our podcast followers, wherever or whenever you may be tuning in to us from. Don't forget to stay up to date with all of the latest content from eventindustrynews.com by downloading the Event Industry News app, available for all the major mobile devices, and follow us on Twitter. You can uh, do so using at Event News Blog. On today's episode, um, we're going to be talking to one of the winners of this year's Event Technology Awards. Abbott scooped Best Hybrid or Live Streaming Solution at the event in London just a few weeks ago, and the company is less than two years old. To tell us about what it is that they do, why they scooped the award, and what it is that they are bringing to the industry is founder of the company, Martin Van Est. Martin, very good morning to you. Good morning, James. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you very much indeed. So, we're just a few weeks uh, on from you winning um, Best Hybrid or Live Streaming Solution at the 2017 Event Technology Awards. Um, I suppose the obvious question is then, to start with, what is it that Abbott does? What service do they provide and why was it relevant to that particular category at the awards? Well, Abbott is uh, actually uh, a little older than two years, uh, actually 30 years, but the product that we're talking about today is a new division, it's a new product, and it's a multi-hub meeting. So before that, we've been into the audiovisual technology, meeting design, uh, creative production uh, in, in the meetings business and the meetings industry for many years. So this is a, this is a new product, and, uh, and it's, uh, I think, uh, really great that we won this, uh, this award. So, so thank you for, for inviting us uh, again here to, uh, to talk about it. Yeah, no, no problem at all. And I suppose it, in some respects, the, the, the category subjects that you won, best hybrid or live streaming uh, solution, um, suggests straight away that you're doing something that relates to, to live streaming, to, to video technology, to conferencing. Um, and the multi-hub part of your own business, again, leads us down a certain path and perhaps people will be painting a picture. So what, what do we, uh, if we were to utilize your service then um, for our own event, what would we see and, and how would that work and, and where does the multi-hub come into it? Yeah, so the service is bringing together groups of people. So you have to think uh, like in a video call, like for example Skype, but then you have it, normally you have individuals. So what we do is bringing groups together and bigger groups, up to 20, 40, 80 people uh, in, in several cities at the same time. And so the service that we provide is to connect those groups in, in, in video and in sound in what we call uh, a high-density uh, connection. So this means that all participants uh, can speak uh, and be heard by all other participants and that they can see each other um, and that we can zoom into any individual that is actually asking a question to the speaker or, or interrupting the speaker to say something or whatever happens. So, so it's, it's about bringing groups together and we have several cases in, 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 a, in a presentation that I'm going to share on the screen here uh, about how that looks. Um, but I think there's a few essential things, uh, if, if I may, James, to, to describe why this is so, so different. Uh, so number one is the fact that it's, it's groups. And so you're not 
you don't have to travel. You know, you could be a group of doctors in a hospital and you just stay in the hospital and you go to this meeting room where we have set up and you're connected to five or six or 12 other groups of doctors in other hospitals around the world. So, so that's a very uh, uh, convenient way of, of going into medical education meetings, for example, in this case. Mm-hmm. And so what, what we do is, is we've, we've actually sel- worked very long and hard in selecting and standardizing uh, the equipment. And, uh, and so what you see on the screen here is, is actually backpacks. You know, it's the backpacks that, um, that our technicians take when they go to Hong Kong or when they go to uh, Lahore in Pakistan, for example, which is happening next week. So, so, so that's a, a standardized package of equipment. And the technicians sometimes travel with a little more and just the backpack here, you can see you got two suitcases. That's for the bigger groups. If you have 18 people, we actually uh, provide everybody with a push-to-talk microphone. You know, one of these, one of these guys is on the table here, and sure. uh, and and so everybody has a microphone within arm's reach. So it's a little more uh, equipment and a sound system and projection. It's all in those suitcases. And then you know, this shows you a, an example of of such a of such a meeting. You know, it's really this is. This also shows, this picture, that it's quite easy and affordable to do because this is cafes in this little town here in Belgium where, where we have office. I mean, this is just not eight cafes plus the city hall where the quiz master, this is a quiz. You know, it's just a, a quiz with 250 participants, 50 teams in eight cafes around the market square in, in, our, little, in our little city here. So that's really, uh, uh, you know, very easy and affordable to do. It's not, not like... A, uh, complicated or, or expensive stuff. Uh, so it starts at a real, a real interesting uh, uh, price point as well. Uh, I suppose at, at this point, Martin, if you don't mind, um, it, I think what's what's important is to maybe um, paint a picture of your of your own background and and how this particular product w- was born. You mentioned that Abbott as a company is actually quite uh, an established company, thirty years old and, and audio visual, but this actually multi-hub meetings uh, product and service is relatively new. Why was there a desire to actually bring this service to market? Who had the idea and why did you think you could compete against um, other uh, video conferencing technologies that were already in the market? Yeah, I think um, video conferencing is obviously uh, well well established and, and, and the tool that we are using today is also you know, used by many, many people in, in, in many meetings and uh, and so that, there's nothing secret or, or new about that. I think um, what 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 it is that we've done is we we kind of went out of the box uh, thinking about how can we uh, set up uh, uh, such a multi-hub meeting. They they've been done before. I've heard about several cases uh, in, uh, in in several countries where they've done multi-hub meetings and they've done. Uh, um, larger groups like 100 or 200 of people, 200 participants in one room. Um, but then, you know, it's like big cameras and it's like 100,000 pounds per location. You know, that's just okay for a one-off, for a big event, for, you know, a real corporate um, once a year, let's all get together type of event. Oh, yeah. but, uh, that's just not the kind of price point that a lot of people in like conferencing and education, etc., and training can afford. So I think uh, the, we, we felt that there was a need, specifically with one client, that kind of stimulated us to do this in medical education, to, to do this fast and cheap and easy and affordable. And I think that's what we came up with, and that's the big difference of, uh, of um, you know, uh, working with traditional equipment and the, tradi- the traditional setup. 
So it's been a huge investment as well in lots of equipment, all the same and exactly the same equipment. And, and then having technicians that just start from one point and fly to all these places around the globe. I mean, that's, I think, um, a solution to a problem that is uh, becoming bigger and bigger in the sense that people don't want to travel if it's not really necessary. Um, they, there is a cost in travel. Uh, there is uh, a, a lot of out-of-the-office time, which is really expensive in the case of, for example, oncology surgeons, and there is, there's lots of good reasons to do this, but it's quite challenging and complicated and expensive if you do it in a traditional way. And I think we, we cracked the code there and, and, and created something new. And in some respects, just as you explained that with the technicians actually taking the equipment to them in these, you know, what looked to be very, very efficiently designed and, and, uh, and engineered backpacks with, you know, they turn up and everything that they need is in there. Instead of 10 people flying from one destination to a meeting destination, you have one person flying there in order to um, deliver the equipment and set up the meeting. So straight yeah. away, you, 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 you reverse engineered the, the process. Yeah, so, so it's, it's 10 people that don't need to travel, but then five times 10, or, or even five times 20 people that don't need to travel. Because we have five cities, for example, in this case on the screen here, that's, a, that's one of our ex extreme uh, cases, and we have three of those in, in this presentation. Uh, this is four cities. You have uh, Buenos Aires, you have London, Hong Kong, and Seoul in South Korea. Uh, those four cities each had like 20 surgeons, uh, and they were all in, into the same very specific stomach surgery, uh, and, and they were very keen to get together, but it's, they were presenting cases. It's like a two-hour meeting. How can you do a two-hour meeting for, for surgeons that are so far away from each other? I mean, you could do a webcast, but that's kind of, that's not what the client wants, you know. The people want to be together, they want to talk to each other, they want to be live, they want to see, be face-to-face, -face. and this is the closest thing to face-to-face, -face, obviously. Mm. You can't fly people from Buenos Aires for a two-hour meeting to, to London and back. I mean, that's just not going to happen. So either you do a two-day meeting, which then takes them out of the office for four days, or you do a short meeting in this way, where you, nobody actually travels. They just These guys went to the meeting before their workday, 7 to 9 o'clock in the morning, and these guys were still in their white uh, jackets, um, and they come to the meeting after their workday from 7 to 9 in the evening. So that's a 12-hour time difference, which is an extreme example of what multi-hub meetings can do. And so in that particular example, you've got four hubs, I suppose, is, is what we would call them, isn't it? Because it's it, it multi-hub meetings, so each, each particular location is classed as a hub. Um, in terms of the scalability of the system, um, is it infinite in terms of how many hubs you could have at any one point, or is there a limit to how many people you could have you know, all talking to each other at once? Yeah, so, so, so those are two, two questions, and a very good question. I mean, here you see an example of six uh, hubs. And, and we call it a hub because in each hub there is like, there is the hub and, and there is, all these participants are connected to one uh, uh, user in the video call, and they're all being filmed, and they all have microphones, they're all connected to this single point that is now, you know, for example, in, in Leipzig, this, this video. And so everybody is connected to that. Uh, hub and then multiple hubs, six of them, are connected to each other in a video call. Uh, this is a, a situation where you see uh, groups, you see close-ups of some people, you see the, the actual uh, chair of the conference introducing, you see more groups of people, so there's like 20, 20 people in a U-shape in every location. So that's an, that's an example of six, uh, of six and, and this is 
the pictures of those four, London, Seoul, Hong Kong, and Buenos Aires, where you can see uh, people sitting in, in, uh, in, the, in the hospitals and they're still wearing their, their white coats, as you can see, uh, uh, for their work. You know, it's, their, it's, on, the, it's on the job uh, uh, training almost. Uh, so, so, but your question is is a good one. Also, I mean, the number of people we've done, the the most uh, people we've done so far is like a hundred people in one room, um, and and our promise for for MultiHub is that every individual has a microphone within arm's reach. It's not a wireless microphone that somebody has to bring because that that slows down the process. And we want everybody to be able to stand up and say something, you know. And in this case, it would be using using those those push to talk microphones. And everybody can actually say something whenever they feel that they have to. Uh, so that's a promise. The second promise is we make a close-up of everybody that's speaking. So therefore, right. I think our limit lies around 80, 80 people. But you can obviously, beyond that, you can add observers, you know, additional people that can sit in the back and, and watch what is happening. So, so, so that's, that's kind of the, the limit for, for a number of people per hub. But if you look at the number of people, the number of hubs actually, I mean, this is an, another case where you can see 18 dots in Spain. So this is a single country, uh, and we have 18 uh, hubs here. Some hubs have uh, 10 people, some, have, some hubs had 60 uh, participants, and, and for example, in Barcelona, we had uh, 60 participants. In this case, there are speakers in two locations. The blue hub, the blue dots here, uh, Valencia and Barcelona are, that's where the, the speakers are. Again, a short three-hour meeting. But 18 hubs in total, 350 participants. You know, instead of bringing all these people together in, for example, Madrid, which would take uh, flying and traveling and, and train rides for most participants, and it would also bring down the number of participants because they had 350. Mm. Normally, they would get 100 to 150 people, 150 people uh, at most, uh, because people don't want to travel for a short presentation uh, to, to, to the capital of, of, a, of a country like Spain. So that is definitely an advantage as well. You get a high, a bigger reach uh, for your for your uh, desired audience. And and when each of these hubs, you know, goes live, is the technician that you've sent out with the equipment also staying on site there to 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 do things like zooming in and 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 zooming in onto the people who are speaking? Is that all the technician's responsibility to do that? And therefore, if yeah. you've got eighteen hubs set up in one in one country or around the world, you need eighteen technicians to deliver that. Yeah, absolutely. So here in this case, uh, we had uh, uh, you can see here's a close up. Here's like five people in a shot. Here's the whole room in a shot where you can see 60 people. And it's really important, I think, to have that, uh, that closeness. I mean, that is psychologically an important factor uh, about which I, I, I think uh, we, we, we need to, to talk more and, and discover more. But the psychology of being together in one room is, is huge. And if you can get as close as possible to that with multi-hub meetings, I think that's important too. So here, indeed, you have 18 technicians. They actually walk in in the morning, set up the equipment, do the do the work of operating the equipment. I mean, they're helping with the tests, they're helping with speakers, etc. But then do the uh, the work during uh, the the actual meeting, and then they break break down and walk away with the equipment. So it's like it's all in one day. If you have like a short meeting, three, four, five, six hour meeting, set up in the morning, do the tests, uh, bring in the speakers for some rehearsals if you want to, start the meeting, end the meeting, break down and go away. So you don't need to rent a room for two days. It's just you know a one-day event, uh, and and that's also one, one, an important factor of of the price point that we we can uh, we can offer at this moment. 
And I suppose it, when you go back to referencing things like the medical uh, examples that you gave earlier on, that they, they perhaps are not actually having to source um, uh, an outside venue as such. You know, many of these businesses will have, and if you're talking eight to ten people in a company, it might be that, that they can use the company conference room or a venue that they've actually got available to them anyway without having to outsource to a bigger venue. Yeah, 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 yes, that is... I mean that is that is something that also needs some some thinking and and and, and work <coughs> to be done. I mean, of course, the the people that book venues love this. They have to book eighteen venues for one meeting, you know. <laughs> so that's a lot of a lot of business for them. But on the other hand, <coughs> if you look at the price per per delegates, there is in in many cases people pay a, a, a daily delegate rate. So if you have a one day meeting, you pay a hundred euro per person, including the dinner or whatever or coffee breaks, etc. So whether you put those 350 people in, in, uh, in, in the 18 rooms or in, in one room, the, the, the price point is, is close again. So there's, there's not a lot of difference unless some hotels might charge a rental fee for a, for a meeting room. Obviously, again, if, you, if you're in a big ballroom for 350, that's going to be a higher cost than renting 18, I mean, renting a single uh, small room. 18 of them may be a little, you know, you know comparable in, in cost, but you know that is that is uh, logistically it's an interesting it's an interesting topic as well and it's also interesting to see the the registration uh, companies uh, that are not ready for this you know you can if you set up an event you can choose a venue or a city or a time zone uh, but you, and, and and a ticket not a ticket for London and a ticket for Buenos Aires and a ticket for you know so a, a lot of that adjustment and a lot of you know, changes need to happen in the industry before we're all ready for this. I'm not sure it's going to explode, but I think it's a growing format. It makes a lot of sense, so I think it's going to grow. I think we all have to get ready for this. Um, uh, have you had any indication or feedback from clients and users as to the level of productivity that's achieved as a result of meetings that are conducted in this way by comparison to the productivity achieved by holding a traditional meeting whereby all of these people would fly to a destination? Do, do, do they find that the productivity is the same, better or, or worse? Yeah. yeah, I think you need to look at uh, the different components. Uh, I think there's three main components in, in, in designing meetings and, and looking at objectives uh, and, and reaching those objectives. Number one is learning, number two is networking, and number three is the, the pleasure, the enjoyment uh, the, the, of, of, of being in such a face-to-face -face meeting. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, first of all, the enjoyment. It's a lot of excitement that people have when they come to a multi-hour meeting because they've never seen it. Today, it's still exciting, and people are amazed to see that it's so flawless and that it really works well. If you look at these uh, four rooms here, there's four, four of the 18 rooms, and they're all set up in different ways, big groups and smaller groups, and uh, they all have a lot of fun because, you know, interaction is a very old topic. We've been talking about interaction since 1984. That was the first time that somebody talked to me about interaction. We need more interaction in this conference. But it's still there today in normal conferences. We don't have enough interaction. And, and in this, obviously, it's the same deal. You know, It's important to have some interaction. It's important to have a presentation followed by some small group discussion. And surprisingly enough, um, this example with the 18 cities in Spain, there were four speakers. And so two speakers did their short presentation. And then there was a five-minute local discussion. So each of those groups had their local discussion. So we switched off the central sound 
and everybody could just talk to each other. And they still would see everybody else also talking to each other in small groups. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a, a, a very uh, a nice example of, of uh, the fact that you actually can make multi-hub meetings interactive, just like you have to work on normal meetings to do that. <clears throat> and obviously the networking, go ahead. I was just going to say that that, that, that appears to be a, a very much a replication of what would happen in, in, in conferences and in meetings, certainly that I've been into the, in the past, where you would have a, a presentation or, or somebody would, would address the entire room. And then in a traditional meeting, if you have round tables of 10 people, they would say, right, we're now going to break for five minutes and we would like you on your individual tables to discuss what's just been said and then give us your feedback as individual tables, which is being yeah. replicated with this system by allowing each hub the opportunity to discuss and debate what's just been said and then give their feedback when everybody comes back online. Absolutely, and, and that is such an important moment for every meeting, and it can also be done in multi-hub meetings. Because if you look at this here, there's like 60 people here, and they're all at round tables, so they're in small groups. And small groups are a powerful uh, thing in meetings as well, because people are okay to talk in small groups more than standing up and speaking for a large audience. So, so it's, it's better uh, for, for people to, to be in small groups and have small group discussion rather than have a Q&A where there's one person talking, usually the same person always. So small groups are good and it's good for networking, although some people may say, you know, it would be better to have the 350 people in one room so you can see everybody, you can network with everybody, but hey, can you really talk to 350 people in a good way in a, in a two-day program? That's a lot of people to talk to. So building a relationship in a small group is easier and, and goes faster and lasts longer than when you have just these many, many short conversations with many people in a big group. So, you know, networking value is also there, I think, and, and maybe more importantly in this case, the networking for the local representative. Because, you know, in, in each of those cities, you know, there is one local representative. You know, for example, in Oviedo, or in, in, in Granada, there is the local representative invites yeah. his clients from Granada and, and has them, you know, in his own bubble for like two, three hours, including dinner um, or plus dinner. And, and he can really, really have good conversations with them. So that's kind of, kind of a, a super plus for the networking for the local representative in, in this case of 18 different cities. And I guess as well for the delegates and the attendees, there are there is less pressure than there would be if you were being thrown into an environment where there are 300 other people. That there is inevitably that that pressure that, that a delegate feels to actually try and get round and meet as many people as they possibly can in a short space of time. Whereas without that pressure, if they're in a room with 20 people, they feel like they could be perhaps a bit more productive by introducing themselves to, to 19 other people than trying to get around 299 other people. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you stay in a small group for a while, you get to know each other a little bit, so the trust level goes up and you can share more and hear more and learn more from other participants as well. So I think that's quite a, quite a, a powerful plus uh, for, for multi-hub meetings and, and for smaller groups. The, um, the next case I'm, I'm actually having on the screen now is, is last year's Fresh Conference. Uh, this was uh, taking place in five, five cities in, in uh, Europe. Poland, Belgium, Holland, uh, the UK, and Portugal. And uh, this is a two-day program. That's a big extreme as well. So we looked at the time zones. We looked at high numbers of hubs. This is another extreme. It's two days 
in an online program. I mean, it's very hard to imagine. People tend to try to be short, you know, when it's a webcast, for example, when you're mm -hmm. solo viewers, like everybody's watching their, 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 their you know, uh, laptop and, and, yep. and, and consumes the presentation like that. It's quite a, a, a painful process. You have to concentrate, you have to stay awake, you have to, you know, uh, you're alone, you can't talk to people, there's no small group discussion, there's not, no coffee breaks, etc. in groups. So it's a very different uh, experience and being two days in a webcast is probably kind of impossible. But here, we had a two-day program and uh, we had very positive feedback. Nobody felt like this was really too long and if they if they uh, were in in uh, in uh, London, for example, they 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 had a, a, a local dinner in the evening as well with some people. So there was like lots of uh, lots of positive news on longer programs, which I think is is great as well because this is something that we need to experiment with. You know, do do participants accept a two-day program? Do they feel a two-day program in in a multi meeting is is okay? And it seems, as far as we could could see at the at the fresh conference. That that is actually the case. And when when we say two days, how long are we talking exactly in terms of the the hubs being live and interacting with each other? Are we talking a full forty eight hours? Or are we talking about the working day nine until five, and then coming back the next day and doing a similar thing? It's um, yeah, it's really um, a full day program, like a normal conference. You have uh, yeah. you have your speakers, you have your discussion moments, you have all of those uh, things. Like in a normal conference, you have coffee breaks, uh, you have lunch, you know, and mm -hmm. of course in, in a two-day program it's, um, it's easier if people have the same time zone or roughly the same time zone. Uh, so that's kind of uh, what we had here, uh, except for Portugal and London, uh, Lisbon and London were on a on one-hour time difference, but that's okay, you know, we could, we could manage that. Um, mm -hmm. the, um, the uh, time difference is is, is fine uh, for for two-day program like this. And sure. uh, what what we also have seen is that you could do a one-day program. One of our clients has done a one-day program with five cities, I think, and they had a morning program uh, was their own, their local program with their local speakers, and there was no connection with other groups. And then they had lunch, and then in the afternoon there was a, a joint multi-hub session where all these cities now were connected to each other and were like more keynote level speakers, etc. So, so you can, we can be creative with programs in a, in a, in a, in, a, in, a, in the same way almost and you can, that's, you can be creative with programs in, in normal single, single venue meetings. Absolutely. Go, going on to the, um, the, the actual technology and the logistics of, of delivering each hub, um, and I suppose a, a good example would be to, to look back at, at, at the, the case study of where you had Buenos Aires, you had London, I think Hong Kong and Seoul all, all linked together in a, across multi-time zones. When you go to these different venues, and you mentioned that you're going to, I think it was Lahore uh, very soon as well, how does the actual connectivity differ from place to place and, and how are you able to research that in advance because presumably you must need a good connection in order to deliver the service and if you're working globally in all of these different locations um, how do you ensure that you're going to have the actual capacity to, to, to deliver your service with the connectivity side of things? That's a, that's a question we get a lot because uh, we've done some research, we have 300 uh, respondents for a survey and uh, it's like 80% of them say uh, that the technology and the internet connection is the biggest uh, worry, the biggest fear 
of, 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 uh, of doing such uh, meetings, but we have shown that it, that it actually doesn't need to be uh, uh, such a difficult situation. I think it's quite clear that when you do the right testing up front, which is done remotely with a local technician, uh, that you right. can already know uh, uh, for, for, for sure that this connection will be working. So there's bandwidth, there's stability, there's lots of little tests that we do in such a in such a online test that we do. It's a standard procedure, just like the equipment is standard and always the same. We also do the same test for every venue, and so we we get we get a say in acceptance of the venue. That's new. Uh, so if we feel that a certain venue is not up to up to speed uh, with with uh, the yeah. speed of the internet, uh, then we will say so, and we will have to. Uh, we cannot approve such a such a venue. Um, now, once a venue is approved, we guarantee that it's going to work. So we also have backup. Uh, we always have we always bring uh, backup. We always have like a three G, four G option to to switch to in case there is any anything going wrong with a normal uh, connection. Absolutely, and 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 I guess um, we we've been having the the conversation about connectivity quite quite recently on on a number of different occasions on the podcast, um, and and for regular watchers and regular listeners that, that they'll know what I'm talking about, where we've we've spoken about um, Wi-Fi issues, we've spoken about broader connectivity issues, um, and and how it's becoming a critical part of um, uh, the criteria that is set when selecting a venue, um, and it's surprising how long I think it's taken to creep into being a critical part of the criteria. You know, many uh, meeting planners and people who book venues um, like a venue because of how it looks, because of the quality of the catering, maybe because of the you know the comfort of the facilities, and often that the actual testing and the connectivity issues is something that was never really given much thought you know that they always relied on the actual stats given by the venue itself to, to, to guarantee oh the, here is our connection speed and there were no actual tests done on it and I, I think um, not just with your own company Martin but more and more people now are, are conducting actual tests and actually analyzing it themselves so that that critical part of a, a venue's infrastructure is able to deliver whatever it is that they need. Um, I, I, and I think this is, uh, for you, it seems like it's the absolute number one uh, thing on the list when you are helping a client to select a venue. Absolutely, it's crucial. Uh, I think what we usually need when we walk into a room is uh, electricity, a cable, uh, because we don't use Wi-Fi, a cable connection and a screen on the wall. I mean, everything else we bring so I guess the cable connection is really the most important piece and, uh, and testing that is essential to be able to assess a, a venue and approve it for, for, for multi-hub meetings. So that's a, that's a very valid point, James. And I think, you know, many of us have maybe been to uh, one, of, one of the industry's events, uh, one of the bigger events recently, and it, it still seems to be an issue if you have like, you know, 10,000 people in a hall somewhere in a big uh, convention center or an exhibition hall, then, you know, it still seems to be like a challenge to get all these people the bandwidth that they need and the connection that they need. So I think there's still some, some, some work to be done. But usually we, we tend to see that in 100 hotels there's like two or three 
that we would uh, find difficult or, 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 or hard to approve for, for multi-hub meetings. But it's a low percentage, so we still do the testing. I think it's still essential to do it, but uh, there's a very low number of hotels that don't, uh, are not able to do this. And by the way, we, we do prefer hotels uh, to work in. Um, because right. they're open 24-7, uh, you know, you can get some, some local support. They usually have decent uh, uh, bandwidth, etc. So, so for, for us, for multi-hub meetings, I think hotels is very good. And so the hotel industry can sleep on, its, uh, on both ears. Because many people think, oh, these digital meetings, uh, the business is going to collapse. But I don't think so because, you know, if you look at multi-hub meetings, it, it's 18 hotels. It's 350 people instead of 150. So the, the, whole, the whole industry... The whole hotel industry has got 200 more people in that meeting instead of 150, that's 350. So, so it's smaller groups. Yes, I see that. But uh, in, in general, the economy, the business, the industry will not suffer for, for multi-hub meetings. I think, you know, it's the other way around. It's going gonna, it's gonna to grow because this enables new types of meetings. Look at the ones with, with Buenos Aires and, and Hong Kong. These, these type of meetings just didn't happen in the past. So, so now there is new business for hotels, and I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's good news for for the uh, hospitality industry as well. And, and, and I suppose that, that moves us on nicely as, as we approach the end of, of today's episode is, is talking about the future. And when we look at the premise of video conferencing, as an idea, I suppose it's very, very simple. You know, you're connecting these hubs using, using uh, video, using live audio, and, and you're using a, a good internet connection in order to link all of these hubs together. So in essence, it's quite a simple idea to understand, isn't it? But presumably the, there's an awful lot of things that you can continue to do going forward in order to make it more productive, to make it logistically easier to set up, you know, as the cameras become smaller, as microphones, as the actual hardware scales down, that there must be scope for you going forward to, to refine this even further. Yeah, and, and we're experimenting. I mean, the, the, the next fresh conference is uh, in fe end of February 2018, and, and we, we have uh, uh, Switzerland and Denmark, uh, South Africa, and the UK, uh, four cities this time, and we connect for a single session to Philadelphia. So that's new. We're actually connecting two conferences. This is an independent conference of about 300 um, pharmaceutical and medical meeting professionals, and they come together in Philadelphia, and we have a, a single joint session. So we send a, a, a crew or a technician with the, with the equipment to that conference and setting up a multi-hub meeting there uh, as, a, as, a, as a fifth hub just for a single session. So that's another uh, potential application you know, to, to join certain conferences like the meeting industry uh, conference could connect to a conference on education, for example, or a conference on science and psychology. You know, so we could do some, some interesting work there and then Fresh is, is, uh, is going to happen, um, it's going to do another experiment, which is uh, the, the Spider Hub. Uh, uh, it's, uh, so you have to imagine um, in each of the hubs, uh, there is a, a red table, a blue table, a green table, and a yellow table. And yeah. so there, you could go and sit at, at, at the red table, James, if you wanted to go to the red table because of that topic, and you would be connected to on a screen like this size to four other red tables in Copenhagen, Johannesburg, Switzerland, and London. Uh, right. So you'd be talking in a small breakout group and you would see all the people and hear all the people at those tables. And the people at the green tables would also be in, a, in the green table meeting, seeing the people at those green tables in the other cities. So, so it's kind of a, a new way of, of organizing breakouts uh, with uh, actually four uh, multi-hub meetings that happen at the same time. 
So we're, we're experimenting, we're learning a lot from these uh, conferences and, and, and I'm trying to put all that stuff in, uh, in a book that's coming out uh, by, you know, when, when we're doing Fresh in 2018, we'll, we'll have the book ready on the book on multi meetings. Uh, and so this this is meetings within meetings. So it's starting to 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 sort of it, it, it not implode on itself, but actually you can take the technology and actually dive down actually and split it up within an, an actual hub itself. Yeah. So there's it's it's kind of difficult to get your head around that, but it's uh, you know once you've seen it, it all you know the, it all falls into place and it really gets exciting and and it, it gets clear. And it's it's really a, a it's a matter of you know being creative with the technology and and I'm sure we'll find out more about uh, you know other options and possibilities in the future as we move along. And and uh, tell us if people who've been watching or listening to today's podcast want to find out a little bit more about you, um, tell us how they can get in contact and where they can find out more information about the multi hub meeting service. Or we can um, we could say just uh, go to um, multihubmeetings.com. That's kind of a simple way, and there's some contact details. There's a little more videos there as well uh, from people that were at such a meeting. Um, so there is, uh, and and obviously, if you really want to learn, you have to come to the Fresh Conference because that's where you can experience a multihub meeting, and it's that's the only way to really understand it and to be confidently able to explain to your customers how this works and, and what it is because uh, you know seeing is believing. And uh, on that note, um, it brings us to the end of, of today's episode. We've been talking on today's podcast with uh, Martin Vanest from uh, MultiHub Meetings. The company scooped best hybrid or live streaming solution at the Event Technology Awards down in London just a few weeks ago. And Martin's been giving us uh, a little bit more insight as to uh, what the service actually does, what the system does. And as I said a few minutes ago, in essence, it's very, very simple. But these guys have taken what is, uh, I suppose, a simple idea and made it into something that uh, sounds like it's, it's, it's transportable. Logistically, it's easy to set up. And it sounds like certainly there's a huge future for this, uh, this particular element of the meetings and the events industry. Uh, Martin, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us today. Um, as always, the uh, Events Industry News podcast is sponsored by Visit by GES, our smart event solution partner. For more information on Visit by GES and its smart event solutions, head over to visit.ges.com. Don't forget to uh, head over to eventindustrynews.com to check out all the latest news from the various sectors of the broad event industry. And the Event Industry News app is also available for all the major mobile devices and will keep you up to date with all of the features and content that's going out onto Event Industry News. We will wrap up today's podcast episode by saying, Thank you once again to our guest, Martin Vaness. Martin, thank you very much for your thank time you. today and for the insight and some of the stuff that you've Pleasure. been showing us on screen. It's been really informative. As, uh, as Martin said, head over to his website if you've got any questions and any more information that you would like about uh, that particular service. And for the time being, we will wrap up this episode. Thank you very much for your company, as always, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Event Industry News Podcast. A very goodbye to you.